All right, Howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, at HowlerPod. Email us, HowlerPod at gmail.com. Visit us at HowlerPod.com. That's H-O-W-L-E-R-P-O-D. And rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, we'll shoot your leg off and you'll fall into a pit of creepy bat wormy things. Bat guano. It's like bat shit. But the worms are what's bad. (laughs) And you'll slowly die. And now, Howlapod. Wrecking balls seldom stop for conversation. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howler Pod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga. Bye. Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow. I'm your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. Aaron, what are we covering today? We are covering Dark Age chapters 60 through 65. Let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully we don't shit all suits. While having a baby? (laughs) Well, (laughs) that does happen, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) chapter 60 lysander pup one the knights of arcos and lysander flee through the tunnels of the caves uh they use the map to guide them but the gorgons still manage to catch up to them they fight in a large cave full of bats and uh crastus is killed before lysander shoots at the bats on the ceiling and creates a distraction for them to get away again. They make it to the end of the tunnels and hop on some grav bikes and take off for the desert and Heliopolis. The Gorgons and most of the society are hot on their trail as they speed across the desert. They're being shot at from all sides. Society is attempting to round them up and kind of trap them. They don't know which bike is carrying the Fear Knights, so they can't just blast them all off the face of the planet. Alex calls for Darrow on the comms and uh, finally makes it through. And then the rising is sending support, and just then, like missiles fly overhead and in front of them uh, on their bikes, and it clears a path. It gets rid of the people behind them, gets rid of the people in front of them. Uh, so they continue like driving through the desert. Um, Ignatius and Hadrian are killed in the chase, and only Drusilla, Alex, and Lysander remain. Transport ship appears in front of them as they make their way through the explosions and debris. Alex flies his grab bike into the hold. But just then, Lysander is hit by Drusilla's bike, and they are locked together. She has a huge chunk of metal through her chest. Uh, Lysander cranks his bike and drags her and her bike into the hold of the ship with him. He lies on the floor of the ship as it begins to fly away, looking up to see the Reaper himself standing over and roaring for retreat. What a great way to meet your <laughs> like top enemy. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter 61, Darrow, Hero of Tyche. The shuttle flies away with Alex, Cato, quote-unquote, and Atlas. Thraxa breaks both of Atlas's arms, as she should, and then puts him in cuffs. Darrow cradles Alex in his arms as he 
is bleeding out. He's been shot in the chest twice. Before he passes out, he hands the wolf pelt he promised to bring back to Darrow to him. It's very emotional. (laughs) Darrow jumps out of the ship before it even lands to rush Alex to the surgery ward, demanding that the Medici not let him die. Darrow then asks for coagulant and heads to the cell of the Fear Knight. What's he going to do? He pissed. He's going to coagulate him. (laughs) Darrow and Atlas talk for a bit, and obviously Darrow is super pissed, and he has the guy that's been impaling his soldiers and who cut Alex up into ribbons right in front of him, and all he wants to do is cut his hands off, but he decides not to. He's like... I'm not a monster like <laughs> you. Darrow is different now. He He's all grown up. He fights for his army and not for himself, and he will not turn into the monster that his enemies are. His army's hope is founded in its virtue, and they have lost that over the course of this war. So he leaves the Fear Knight and tells his soldiers to leave Atlas be, but still interrogate him, but not torture him. Mm-hmm. Mustang will crack him later. He has faith that she's alive. And he doesn't want to hurt him in the meantime. He still wonders if this is some kind of plot by the Fear Knight, though. And who is this Kato? After leaving Atlas, he joins Rona next to Alex. And they greet him as he wakes up from surgery. He's alive, guys. He survived this chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Darrow then goes to talk with Glerastes, who has stopped working on the EMP because it's Thursday. (laughs) And he won't. Is it Tuesday? Thursday. Thursday. Mm-hmm. And he won't go back until Daryl releases his prized pupil, Cato Hall Vitruvius. He gives Daryl an ultimatum. Release Cato by tonight or find someone else to build the EMP. Daryl discusses the situation with his advisors. They have not found any cracks in Cato's story yet, and Screwface doesn't recognize him from Atalantia's cohort. So either he's telling the truth or lying very well. It's Darrow's turn to find out now. Chapter 62, The Warlord and the Libertine. Lysander has been interrogated by everyone on Darrow's team about his story. Even a robot designed by Quicksilver to detect lies has gotten a shot. Uh, But Lysander's too good for all of them. He's got the accent, the lies. He was raised by Octavia Loon. Comparatively, this is a piece of cake. But now it's Darrow's turn. He sweeps into the room and his presence is dominating. Nonetheless, Lysander holds up under his questions and really manages to sell that he's a big gold dickhead. Pretty easy for him. (laughs) A pixie. (laughs) (laughs) Darrow agrees to release him to Glorassi's under the conditions that he does not leave Glorassi's grounds and that he submit to inspections whenever Darrow's guards ask. Lysander is then released to Glorassi's who rejoices at the sight of his former pupil, Kata. They're all really good actors. Yeah. I'm impressed. I would not pass the robot test. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Chapter 63, Darrow, Unremarkable. Darrow, Harnassus, Thraxa, and Screwface all watch as Cato flies away with Glorastes. They are skeptical of Cato, but his story checked out. He is unremarkable. Darrow wonders if he was so unremarkable, how did he survive while the other knights of Arcos did not? And how did he, like super smoothly knock Drusilla's bike into the ship. It's pretty good flying. Pretty good driving skills. Mm -hmm. Darrow's thinking, is the master maker up to something? Maybe. 
They have implanted a monitoring spike in Lysander's arm while he was being shot up with those anti-rads. So one way or another, they will find out if Cato is more than meets the eye. Because he has one eye. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 64, to master a maker. Uh, Lysander hangs out at Glorassi's mansion, getting the lay of the land and trying to figure out exactly what Darrow is up to, while also trying to look like a good-for-nothing gold libertine who doesn't care. He succeeds at this in typical Lysander fashion. He knows he's being watched and listened to by Darrow. He figures out that Darrow is having Glorassi's build him a huge EMP. During his downtime, Lysander forms a new plan, and in order to execute this plan, he needs to get Glorastes on board. They have a meeting in the wine cellar where Lysander's monitoring spike won't be able to transmit. Glorastes, although he cares about Lysander, tells him that he can't help him. Lysander plants some seeds, though, and hopes to exploit them the next time they talk. That night, Glorastes wakes him in his sleep and freezes the monitoring spike. They go to his workshop to talk, and once there... Glorastes shows Lysander his plans and model for the Oculus, a beautiful city, kind of space station type thing, shaped in the form of an eye, shaped in the form of Lysander's eye, which seems is pretty not, cool. It's also kind of weird on Glorastes' part. He seems like a very creepy uncle. Well, Lysander has like the most crystal gold eyes like ever. But didn't they only like hang out for like a couple summers? I mean, He's also like the get over it, Glorastes. He's the like son of Loon. I mean, he's <laughs> you know that's true. He's a very important little boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Glorastes was making the Oculus for Quicksilver and had sent him a model prior to the Society falling. Uh, so the Oculus was never built, or was or it? Or was it? <laughs> Lysander knows exactly what to say to Glorastes and strokes his ego a bit and then appeals to uh, his nature and pride in his work. Glorastes is still skeptical. He wants to help Lysander but doesn't know if he can trust them. Just then, Exeter, Glorastes' brown butler, and the other servants of the home enter and bow to Lysander, calling him Dominus. Lysander is forcing Glorastes' hand and tells him, that there are loyal people in Heliopolis and they will find them and recruit them to take back their home from the rising. Okay, so my mind wandered a little and when you said bow to him, I thought of the Princess Bride. Bow to her! (laughs) The queen of filth! The queen of garbage! (laughs) The queen of putrescence! (laughs) Anyone? Old howlers? You get it. I thought you were going to say my mind wandered when I was talking about him stroking... Glorassi's ego. Apparently, <laughs> yours was. <laughs> You're really onto this creepy uncle thing. He's pretty weird. <laughs> You're weird. <laughs> I don't know. All right, chapter sixty-five, Lyria, Ulysses. Aww. <laughs> we hardly don't worry. Need. This is our last <laughs> chapter this week, so you can keep listening. Nothing bad will happen. <laughs> Lyria, Victra, and Volga hide outside of a small fishing town and watch. There's a radio tower here they desperately need to use, but they have to figure out if it's safe first, and it's a big building. After a few hours of no activity and some bickering about what to do, they decide it's time to try and go to the town, not to the radio tower. There's a storm rolling in, and this baby is coming, like right now, like... It's been coming for a while, but now it's coming out. (laughs) Lyria sneaks up to a home on the outskirts where an old red is chiseling ice off of his roof. 
not suspicious at all. <laughs> she asks him politely with a gun for some help, and he obliges. It's only him and his two children in the home, allegedly. Victor and Volga come down, and Victra prepares to have her baby while Volga and Lyria keep watch. Lyria is skeptical of the red man, but Volga takes a liking to him after he tells him that he was a rat war vet, and he's got like a fake leg now. Lyria continues to check on Victra, who gives no Fs about the fact that she's about to have a baby. She wants no help, uh, but Lyria continues to check on her. So Victra writes up a quick and super complicated cryptogram for Volga to send to the Julii soldiers from said radio tower so they can get the hell out of here ASAP. Lyria goes back into Victra's room and it's about to go down, as in the baby. <laughs> Lyria offers help, but Victra refuses, explaining tigresses don't need nursemaids and neither should she. She also like says a bunch of really mean shit to <laughs> <Yeah>. Lyria. <laughs> it's like, damn. She's very mean. Victor's, <laughs> Victor's that friend that's like always mean, but you like want them to like you still. Yeah. And but then as soon like, as they say one nice thing to you, you're like, you're yes. Like, yes. <laughs> Nailed it. But then they're mean to you again. And you're like, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. She'll like me again too. Yeah. Lyria and Victor go and have a philosophical debate about asking for help and birthing children, and the parasite inside Lyria, and the nature of reds versus golds. And it ends with them both gaining mutual respect for each other, and then they decide to tie up their hosts because of Lyria's suspicion. Victor then has the baby while standing with no help and no pain meds, like a badass, as Lyria sits there and watches. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the help, Lyria. It's a boy, and his name is Ulysses. Mm. S. Grant. <laughs> all right. That's what happened on this week's chapters. Now we need to talk about the theme that ties them all together. Aaron, what's this week's theme? Suspicious minds. You didn't want to sing? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember the chorus. <laughs> what you doing to me? <laughs> it's Elvis. Man, I need to learn my songs before we start. <laughs> That's true. All right, let's get into the quotes. Um, you've got the first one. Okay, so this is suspicion over the person who's pretending to not be himself. <laughs> so obviously this warrants suspicion. Founded suspicion, yeah. Uh, so after Alex came back, Thraxa is talking to Darrow, and she says, what about Cato? Darrow's like, who? <laughs> Thraxa says, the fourth gold. He says he helped them escape. No confirmation yet from Alexander. I look back at the fear knight. He's a man of too many layers. Was this planned to get him inside? Cato inside? Would Atlas risk that? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. He would. Darrow, I don't know. He always has these thoughts that you're like, yeah, duh, <laughs> duh, doy. And then he still doesn't follow these suspicions. They do a really good job of being suspicious of Cato. The thing that really just is the monkey rich in the whole plan is freaking Glorastes refusing to work. Like they've got to get out of there. And then it just works out perfectly that. Lysander has this identity. It's like actually a really great plan on Lysander and Atlas's part, two of the smartest people in these books, because they just put Darrow in such a hard place immediately. Like, well, At Atlas didn't know that Glorastes 
new Lysander, did he? Lysander tells him that like that was his plan. It's like I've got this Cato identity, and I'm going to appeal to Glorastes. Like that's my plan. And Atlas is like, oh, well, okay, let's go with it. Man, I missed that. Yeah. So Darrow's suspicious. So he lets Lysander stay at the house. Why don't they like? I don't know. Put Why don't they just have somebody chill with them like all, all the, time? the time? Yeah. <laughs> like I know he has guards, but clearly like they're yeah. not watching him all the time. Like he's able to sneak away with Glorastes and talk to him. It's a double-edged sword because I think they want to give him a s- false sense of security so that if he is up to something, he will pull the trigger and you know spill the beans at, at some point. And so they want him to feel like, oh, it's okay. You can just hang out here and you can do whatever you want as long as you stay inside and as long as you submit to our inspections. But they have too much faith in their monitoring spike. Like if that thing can just be frozen by the master maker. Yeah, like like going in a bunker essentially. (laughs) Yeah. Well, also he freezes at one point where Uh it's like... It's like buzzing in his arm. Yeah. Lysander's still asleep or whatever. So yeah, I think they weren't prepared for, for that but they're right in that and their suspicion at this point. And so it is just all too perfect. The more you think about it, it's like Atlas has been this nefarious opponent for Darrow for so long. And now he's just delivered. Yeah, it, it is exactly <laughs> Uber, what it is. Uber it's too eats. good to be true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uber fear night. Yeah, our next quote is just kind of part of the interrogation process and just how perfect Lysander is to play this exact role like he was born to do this and then also in this quote nobody's going to know who he is either Um, they say we ran his DNA against the active society military database and Gorgon knock list with no matches he is not a member nor does he have relations in their military of course without connection to Skyhall we don't have access to the census records and then Screwface nods from his darkened corner he brought us the military database information, and Screwface says, ain't laid eyes on that sorry pixie before. If he's a Gorgon, he's young, deep, and out on a limb. Was Screwface there when Lysander came back? No. He had left by that point. Okay. Yeah. So he can't even recognize the half of his face. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's the timing there is pretty much perfect. And then, I mean, he is kind of right in his, not in the part where he says if he's a Gorgon, but he said he's young, deep, and out on a limb. And Lysander is all of those things right yeah. now. <laughs> this is like a last-ditch effort. but Very much so. But, like, he is the perfect person to pull this off. Right. Yeah. And, like, he just happened to have this fake identity lined up with this specific person, Glorastes, Mm-hmm. Like set up when he was a kid, mm-hmm. and now I don't know. Since when do your escape plans like line up so perfectly? You know, yeah, it it is. It's like we can call Darrow stupid from here, like reading the book. But like Lysander is the perfect person to pull this off. Like he's the only person that can like pull off that specific, you know, like gold dialect that only families from right. where he's saying he's from uh, use, and just like all these things. He, like he is the perfect agent in this situation because he was raised by the most psycho bitch of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Most paranoid. Yeah. Talking of suspicious minds. Right. Octavia, she's the OG suspicious mind. Mm -hmm. Like Ben just said, we can say Darrow's being an idiot, but I mean, 
this just is You really can't hold this one against him. It's and he's lying perfectly to these lie detector people and robots who, like anyone else, would fail that lie detector test. Right. You can't game plan for someone like this good. Like Lysander's yeah. actually extremely skilled in this exact thing. In uh in what's it called? Espionage. S- I was gonna say subterfuge. <laughs> Is that right? I don't know. I don't even In know hoodwinking? <laughs> <laughs> so Darrow says, so what you all are saying is that he's telling the truth or lying very well. Let's find out which. Screw, I want your eyes on this. And then that conversation between the two of them is pretty great. And yeah, Lysander is like, I look up to show defiance, but then I look down to show free fear. And then I look back up to show confidence. And then I look back down. He's like going through like all of his movements. I love how he just uh, is able to use Daryl's prejudice against gold against him. Cause you know, like Daryl's coming into that room thinking he's ca- talking to this like pixie dickhead gold. Cause that's who he's just been the entire time. And then Lysander just plays that role perfectly and is almost so annoying that he gets Darrow to leave and brush him aside quicker than maybe he would have if he um, doesn't answer the questions the way he did. Man, I'm still like on this upswing of liking Lysander. Mm -hmm. And then he just like throws it all away. Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) this is him starting to get into really nefarious like villain territory. This is when you realize how formidable of an opponent he is. Right. And you're, yeah. And, and a completely different type of opponent than kind of what Daryl's used to dealing with. Way more intellectual. Well, yeah. I mean, the Jackal and Abominadrius are also intellectuals, but they're. Daryl, he knew them so well, though. He doesn't right. know Lysander, you know? Yeah. And Lysander knows Darrow. So it's like he can kind of. And he studied him. Yeah. He can reverse all of Daryl's moves because he knows, like, what to expect from Darrow, and Darrow doesn't know what to expect from Lysander. He doesn't even know that he's alive at this point, you know? So that really plays into it, and that's kind of what Darrow would use against uh, the Jackal back in the day is, like, he knew a lot of the Jackal's playbook, or he knew exactly how to take advantage of him, especially in Morningstar. He knew to play into, like, Jackal's hubris in certain points and stuff, and, and that is what ultimately allowed them to pull off their ridiculous plan at the end of Morning Stars because how well he knew the Jackal. Okay, so this next quote is Lysander, and this is just talking about the level of suspicion among the Howlers and basically Darrow's entire group. Uh, Lysander says, I was un- under observation when he rose over the city wall under heavy fire, when Darrow jumped out with Alexander bleeding everywhere, when they took me on a stretcher to their med bay, when they treated my burns and wounds, when they asked me questions while I was drugged with narcotics, when I showered, when I ate steak, potatoes, and greens laced with some mild inhibition inhibitor in my safe room, when armed guards escorted me to be interviewed casually, when I gave a formal interview to two ethereal pinks, when a handsome gold howler interrogated me, when I used the restroom, and when I walked through the hall to sit in this white room for two hours as a little toy investigated my story. Dang. This is him knowing that he's just like, can't ever let the veil down for a single second. It's not like the Howlers are not doing, and Darrow are not doing their due diligence. Like, they are... They're watching him. Yeah, they're trying to figure this guy out. And Darrow even says, like, if it were up to him, he would just put him in a cell and then let him go later. 
but that's not up to him because yep. Glorastes is. It's this terrible thing. Where and it's how did how does Glorastes know that he's there? Someone tells him. It's they just shouldn't his have told name. Him. He just recognizes the name. I'm you sure he's got his his insider. Yeah, I'm sure. It it would have been nice if he didn't even know that a fourth gold showed up. Right. Yeah, that would have been ideal. You know. Yeah. Oh well. But then <laughs> Lysander wouldn't have a part to play in this story. Mm-hmm. Darrow is still like, the fuck is going he's on? He's on the right. Like he's got his he's instincts got are correct. Suspicious mind. Yeah. He's thinking. One thing troubles me. Alexander took me through their escape. If Cato is so unremarkable, how is it that he survived and soldiers like Crastus and Drusilla did not? Luck only goes so far, yep. which is true. It just speaks to how much their backs are up against the wall. Like like we were just talking about, Darrow's instincts are totally spot on in this situation, even though everything that they're finding basically is pointing them to the other direction. He knows that there's something fishy about this, but at at this moment, their backs are so up against the wall, they are out of options. Like they're down to very few different options. They have to just take a chance and let him loose. Hopefully, you know, with the monitoring spike, they find the information that they want. But uh, obviously, Glorastes is able to bypass that. So, and then from there, it's like they were okay. Still, because Glassy mm-hmm. doesn't want to help Lysander, but it's actually Lysander taking control of that whole situation. Right. He's, and he's uh, manipulating everybody, especially his old friend. Yep. I mean, Lysander is good. Like, I, I don't think we give him enough credit for how good a villain he actually is. He's a formidable opponent. For real. So then, after all that suspicion, we move on to... Lyria and her story and her suspicion, which um, she was very suspicious of this red man that the house they were staying in. Mm-hmm. But Volga and Victor were like, we're being polite. This Ma- this is Mars. Yeah. Like, we're polite here. And guess who was right? Lyria was <laughs> right. Yeah, these gut instincts are have been spot on in all these situations. It's just... Um, when they're put in these terrible, like, no-win uh, situations, it's like you have to make compromise choices. And ultimately, right. like... Like, you can't have the baby out in the snow. I mean, right. you could. I'm sure Victor would be fine, but <laughs> they should have just done that. Yeah. She could have killed all the wolves. Had some, yeah, Volga fighting off the wolves. Yeah. Yeah. You could do that. <laughs> I, let's go back. <laughs> And start from there. I'm not sure having a baby in a snowstorm is a good idea, though. I'm just saying, if anyone could do it, Victor could do it. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) (laughs) So, Lyria says, when they're talking about what to do when they're hiding in the woods, thinking about going into the town, Lyria says to Victor, they'll recognize you. You're one of the most famous people in the world. Victor says, yes, I am, aren't I? They'll know I can pay. What if there's red hand there? We've watched for three hours. Well, they don't exactly wave flags, do they? (laughs) So this is Lyria before even going into town, Mm -hmm. just being super cautious and wary 
of the Red Hand. I mean, she's seen them murder her whole family. Yeah. So she has a right to be very extra cautious. At that point, they're talking about, like, Victra's, like, talking about just, like, strolling into the middle of town. Being like, what's up? I'm Victra. (laughs) (laughs) I'll pay you. Lyria's like, we need to take some caution. This could be, you know, Red Hand area. So uh, her suspicious mind in that scenario um, kind of saves them um, some trouble for at least a little bit. Then it goes on to this is once inside. Once they're inside the house, she's had some conversations with this this red man, and she's thinking about him. She says he's far younger than I thought he was, even on second inspection. So right there, we already know like he's not exactly w- what meets the eye. And he's kind of you know? acting yeah. different. His eyes are darting around. Yeah, he's like looking at the window. Yeah. Uh, she says, not an old man at all. Maybe 30. Why is his hair so white? His hands are heavy and scarred. Eyes blood red and set in a passive, kind face with a natural frown. I tap my foot in agitation. I don't like him one bit. Well, should have gone with that. Well, they do go with that. And they tie him <laughs> up. And then... It doesn't work out. <laughs> no, it does not. I, I'm, ta- I'm work not giving out. anything away. <laughs> Spoilers be damned. We don't really want to talk about the next chapter. Is it the next chapter? It is the, the next chapter. The very next chapter, chapter 66. We're talking about dead babies. <laughs> next week. <laughs> next week on Hollerpod. <laughs> dead babies. Beer, beer, beer. <laughs> Get excited, everybody. <laughs> Speaking of tying them up, mm-hmm. Victra knows what Lyria has in her head. So even though she thinks Lyria is an idiot, she knows that the thing that Figment had makes her a more skilled person, I guess. Yeah, higher senses, yeah. So Victra says, now, if you can exist without tormenting me with sympathy, I'll show you what a woman can do by herself. But first, be a dear and tell Volga to tie up our hosts. She smiles nastily. As an unctuous girl once said, we don't know them. Good. See, Darrow should have tied up Cato. <laughs> yeah, and this the reason that she does this is, like you said previously, like Victor doesn't really respect Lyria. She knows she has the parasite, but then they have that whole conversation kind of about reds and golds and mothers and birthing and all that <laughs> shit and at the end of it victor c- comes to have like kind of a grudging respect for lyria or at least gains some respect for her and is starting to take her opinions and her suspicions and thoughts um to heart yes that was this week's theme of suspicious minds that takes us to our next segment which is who died today who died today ben well, we've got some Knights of Arcus. Uh, Wait, Drusilla did actually die? I, I'm pretty sure she did. She had metal through her body. I think so. <laughs> That's a large... And then I don't think we like heard... It's not confirmed. We don't like hear about her. Maybe uh, she's off... She does not appear for the rest of the... She's off having a good time. <laughs> yeah, I'm like in the void. <laughs> uh, Hadrian, we hardly knew ye. Yeah, I don't even remember Hadrian no, he at just all. Drove his his bike, his grab bike, into a bomb or something. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, um, Ignatius. He Is he died. the one who got his leg blown off? That was Crastus. Oh, Crastus that's the worst is the guy one. That fell in the Crastus is actually still alive, but that he's poop and being eaten alive slowly. Got eaten by some yeah centipedes or whatever. That's foreshadowing too. <laughs> what is? 
Crassus's death. Why? For Harmony's death. Oh shit! Good call. Thank you. Um, and then yeah, so I think that's all the Arcos knights that died, and then some assorted gorgons as well. You assorted know. gorgons. <laughs> <laughs> Take them or leave them. <laughs> they died. That takes us to our next segment, which is the Prime Five. Which is five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. Okay, number one on the Prime Five list. There's a lot of badass shit that goes down, and we may or may not have a question about badass moments later on in Howler voicemail. But what I'm asking you right now is Victra having a baby while standing with no help, the single most badass thing of all the badass things that have ever happened in the Red Rising saga. It's, I mean, as a person who has not had a child, <laughs> it seems pretty badass to me. It seems like it's up there, like a top five badass moment. Like, she's not getting <laughs> any medicine, <laughs> any painkillers. She does have liquor, but then she uses that to wash her hands. Yeah. Like, at first I'm thinking, oh, she's going to get... And this is, what, the fourth time that she's done this? Oh, it is. Oh, it's not three. It is four. Yeah. Her li- my favorite is when she's like, the little monster is coming. <laughs> she calls him like a world breaker at, uh-huh. at one point. Being punched. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty badass. And I have to say, when I was listening to this, I wasn't picturing Victor having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have to tell him this. <laughs> I was picturing Pierce writing this part. And I was thinking, because there's a lot of choreography involved. With her, like... It is a very smooth move that well, she Well, no, she's, like, squatting, and then she's, like, reaching around, right. and then she's, like, reaching forward and, like, goes to her knees and pops the baby out. And I'm I'm listening to all this on the audiobook, and I'm all I'm thinking is, did Pierce, like, while he was writing this, did he, like, act this out to, like, figure it out? Like, is he, like... <laughs> In his to like figure out exactly what he needs. He's to like write. in his studio, <laughs> like diving onto the ground, pretending to pull a baby out. That's the mental image that I needed. That's just what I was <laughs> picturing. That's <laughs> genuinely, I was not picturing Victor. I was like thinking about how did Pierce write this? Did he like act? And I was like, maybe he like brought in his mom or like some of his friends who have had children. Probably like his girlfriend or something. (laughs) (laughs) Just acting out childbirth. (laughs) Anyways, that's where my mind went. That's hilarious. Okay, next item on the Prime 5 list. We haven't had a Volga being cute moment in a while. She cute. (laughs) So. Hey, you know Volga? (laughs) She cute. I wanted to point this out. Her and Leary are talking about Victra. And Lyria says, oh, leave off. How do you not choke her to death? And <laughs> Volga is uh, sitting there and it says, sleet gathers on her eyebrows as she considers it. Two nights ago, I thought about it after she called me a geriatric walrus. <laughs> <laughs> but I do not think it would work. She fought beside Zephy herself and Darrow. No, she's too much for me, even now. Unless I was able to shoot her from afar. <laughs> and Lyria goes, that was a joke. <laughs> and Volga says, oh, as was mine. Uh, it's a little too specific for a joke vulga she's just such a great character i can't get enough of her always like so cute (laughs) she's always just got these funny little lines and And she's so literal and it's hilarious and she's like naive but also smart at the same time it's just great best thing about volga she doesn't die in this book (laughs) yeah that's true. We get so, to keep her around. So we're allowed to like her. 
We're allowed to love Volga for just a little longer. I think Volga will make it to the end for sure. She's fucking better. We already lost Tongueless. She's much too sweet to to ever kill. You don't think Tongueless was sweet? We didn't even know Tongueless. He never (laughs) even said a word to us. He never even wrote us a letter. Never forget. (laughs) Okay, next up on our Prime 5, let's talk a little bit about Lysander and his interaction with the Howler Yellows. They diagnose him as having some memory diddling. <laughs> yeah, we get diddling a line about the diddle. There's diddle. obviously a trace in his mind um, that they can see that he's had memory loss, like surgical memory loss, basically. Yes, his mind has been diddled. It's been confirmed. His brain scans do not show signs of securitas. Conditioning, however, his limbic system has some unusual synaptic activity, which may be signs of childhood trauma and memory repression, but would require additional analysis to render conclusive. Yeah, I think he had childhood trauma. I think he had a little, yeah. (laughs) He definitely... (laughs) Have you seen that documentary, (laughs) Mommy, Dead, and Dearest, where the Munchausen's by proxy girl murders her mom or has her boyfriend murder her mom? Wow. I bet if Darrow hadn't have killed Octavia, like Lysander would have eventually <laughs> killed her. God, think about if he spent, yeah, like another 10 years under Octavia, how terrible he would be at that point. He would have, yeah, he would have uh, had his boyfriend stab her to death. S- 10 years with her was enough. He spent 10 years with the coolest guy in the solar system after that and it still didn't help him out. It helped him a little. Yeah, a little bit, but not, not much. That's true. He's reverting back. He is reverting <laughs> pretty hard <laughs> to his spacism. <laughs> okay, so memory has been diddled. It is confirmed. Confirmed. Next item on the Prime Five list. There is a just heartbreaking line from Darrow on a reread because you know what happens to Alex. He says it seemed impossible to hope, yet I took the risk. And now that Alexander is alive, somehow, despite everything, he may yet be taken. It all seems so unfair. He's talking about him being wounded, and he's just dropped him off at the medics at that point. And he's like, I don't know if he's going to live or not. It's like, fr- we went through all of this, and now he's back, but he still may not live. And that's just like right there as a slap in the face to and all of like, us. And you're like, right. And then he's going to live again. And then after all that. He's also going to die. He's still going to die. <laughs> At least he gets to die with his ears and some teeth. Yeah, I got some ears and teeth. He had a smile back. Even though, doesn't he get shot in the face? Yeah. So. so. <laughs> he just loses his brain at that point. <laughs> it's otherwise. No, don't even say that. That makes me so upset. It really is ma- very upsetting to think about right now. Anyways, more Alexander. We have to talk about, of course, the relationships here. Not only is Darrow carrying Alex desperately and basically showing his fatherly affection. There you go. I'm admitting <laughs> to someone being like a father, everyone. <laughs> He's <laughs> being attacked over here. Um, but he's so desperate to keep Alex alive that the yellows are like, excuse me, sir, you're going to scare everyone to death. You need to calm the fuck down. And then he's so angry that he goes to 
basically torture the fear knight. Yeah, to kind of like let out his frustration. Right. So he's Darrow is like insanely angry when he sees the shape that Alex is in and how he's been butchered. And then relationships. Alex and Rona. So cute. They're full on at this point. She's like holding his hand yeah. in front of Darrow and they're just like looking at him. He like, reached for her hand. We're holding hands now, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I love the part when Darrow's like, I know you want to go see the the hero or whatever. And the interrogation robot is in the corner. Rona just showed up and he's like, I know you want to go see the hero. She's like, no, I don't. <laughs> and it's like, liar. <laughs> the robot is lying. <laughs> so good. <laughs> She's like, <"Ugh>, fine. <laughs> and prime five, number five, Ben, you take it. All right. This is our, our moment to talk about the Oculus. Which is what again? It is a big city slash space station made for orbit around a planet or for deep space. And this is where we get all our best information, basically all the information that we have to work off of on the Oculus. So we know it's designed to look like an eye. Yes. Um, and it's like one of Glorassi's greatest works. And he created a model that was commissioned by Quicksilver prior to the fall of society. So this would be 10 years ago. And then he had sent that model to Quicksilver, but it was never built, quote unquote. Okay. I was like, you're doing quotes. <laughs> no one can see you. So now we know that Quicksilver has had a model of the Oculus since 10 years ago. So he's had plenty of time to build it somewhere out in deep space is what it sounds like. And guess where Volga and Lyra are headed at the end of the book? They are going to the Oculus and Quicksilver. Boom. Ta-da. Boom goes dynamite. <laughs> also, if you've read the newest graphic novel, Sons of Ares Volume 2, Wrath, there's like maybe a little information about what Quicksilver is up to out there. Did you read it? I did. You're supposed to bring it to me after you read it. I don't know. Well, I just finished it like yesterday. So. Well, cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that graphic novel. <laughs> yeah, we'll do an episode on them at some point. A full episode. On the two of them. I mean, I don't know mm. if it'll be like a long one, but we'll we'll talk about them. Okay. So that takes us to the Primus of the week. Our one character who conquered our Proctors of Plot and rose above the rest. Our Primus of the week is... Lysander. Again. Lysander. I like we're going to have to start picking him a whole bunch here. I said the last week we weren't going to pick him again, but I, I was like, I, when I was editing the episode, I was thinking back, I was like, oh, I, was, I think we're going to have to pick him a bunch here. Coming so up. here's why. Um, first, we start off with his like photographic memory of the map of the caves mm -hmm. and even the Arcos Knights and Alexander have to keep checking the map to make sure they're going the right way. And Lysander's like, guys, it's this way. <laughs> 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 you know? Um, and then Alex and the Knights can't figure out which tunnel to take because there's supposed to only be two. And Lysander is like, wait, and looks at it at the tunnel and then like immediately finds the trick. Mm-hmm which is that they have to swim through the pools. Mm -hmm. So 
just, you know, really great wayfinding skills. Yeah. <laughs> He's got some good deduction. Some uh he'd be good to he'd be a good person to be lost with. Mm-hmm. Like he's a human GPS. And then his deduction skills with um figuring out Darrow's plan just by seeing through the telescope that some of the boxes. This is the only part where I'm like, Lysander is too fucking smart. <laughs> like, well, okay, <laughs> I'm thinking like if I could do math <laughs> at all, in, like any basic math in my head, like I'd be a lot better off. He's doing like very complex <laughs> algebra, geometry, <laughs> yeah. uh, physics. It's like you're a freaking asshole. Just super quick. <laughs> and he's like, you know, um, this boy's this many grams. Therefore, with the gravity, um, it has to be this. And then he figures out Darrow's plan. Yeah. He's like, he's building an EMP. <laughs> I'm just like, damn it. Damn it. <laughs> he figured it out. Also, he won this week because, like we said, he was able to expertly lie to the experts mm-hmm. of the lie detectors and the robot and he's just he's got great acting skills so yeah. i think if we do make our musical he's probably the lead i mean yeah we he's the best actor why here. don't you apply these skills for good lysander instead of well he evil thinks he's and doing space good racism. in his mind he's doing it win, good. win an oscar man yeah just go towards art <laughs> and less towards <laughs> winning wars like uh, take larasty's path Congratulations, Lysander. I will tell you right now, you will not be winning when you kill Alex. Of course not. Well, period. He's probably winning I know. in that moment. Even though it's a good thing for him. Moving on from that. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have our Howler voicemail segment. If you would like to leave a voicemail on the Howler voicemail, you can call 1 800 516 Make sure you leave your name, explain a theory, ask a question, pick out a Daryl theme song. We've been having a lot of those lately. So whatever you got, you can be on HowlerPod. Let's go to our first voicemail. Hello, Howlers. Uh, This is my second attempt at sending you a voicemail, and I am sorry if I messed up the first time. I really am. Apologies. Somebody entered my room. Anyway, uh, I've been into your podcast for about since the summer, and it's been really great uh, hearing you guys. It's been really fun ta- hearing your take on the in the books, and uh, uh, thanks for recording. It's been it's been really nice. Um, yeah, I'm really really glad you guys are starting Dark Age. Probably my favorite one so far out of the uh, all five books. Um, I don't know the levels of how dark it is, and just the, <laughs> the violence is almost reaches like the level of Warhammer forty thousand. It's it's kind of terrifying, and I love that. And, Glad to hear your take on that too. Um, I had a question that I would wanted to ask, actually two in fact. So first one would be about um, uh, why would Holiday actually like you know go against the Republic, considering that she is a uh, she actually helped save the kids. I, I'm sure you guys already answered this, but I probably missed this in one of the podcasts. I mean, she went all the way and. Uh, got Ephraim on board, and that pretty much secured the kids for the Republic, so if she was against it, I don't see why they do anything, but I don't know. You might know. <laughs> Good times. And um, uh, what is your, like, overall, like, favorite, like, most, like, 
badass moment in the entire book series. Like, like, just, like this terror rage. <laughs> uh, absolutely, uh, I mean, absolutely any moment from all five books is just kind of curious because you guys keep praising different different books for and diff different aspects in them, but not qu quite sure what's you, what's your guys' favorite. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, uh, uh, right. Have a, have a glorious glorious day, Howlers, and uh, uh, yeah. Have a good day. <laughs> Thank you, sir. We didn't get a name, did we? I don't think we did. Thanks for calling in. Okay, Ben, the question is... No, first of all, I need to address Oh, something. sorry. Because <laughs> he's coming on here, leaving voicemails, making great points about Holiday not being a traitor, and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate it, obviously. How dare you? You Prove me wrong no, the last, with your great point. The last few episodes, you said that you're on my side now. I know. I'm coming over. And this voicemail was part of it. I actually listened to this prior to that last episode. Oh, so, wow. Uh, basically, what he was saying is that why would Holiday betray the Republic? It, um, she like went and saved the kids, basically got Ephraim on board. Like She went through all this effort to get the children back. Why would she be working for the society at that point? I agree. <laughs> so, yeah. So I good 100%. point. Please don't ever call back and make a great point proving me long, wrong like that again. <laughs> wow, Ben. You sound really petty right now. <laughs> no, it was a good call. Um, yeah. I, I am starting to come around to this. Like A lot of my holiday suspicious and my own suspicious mind towards holiday uh, suspicious <laughs> suspicious minds yeah my own suspicious mind towards holiday really becomes because i like to troll aaron and um, oh. also i i really did buy into that for a long time mostly because of some stuff that happens in iron gold but i think from here and with the amount of evidence that we've found since or the lack of evidence of a traitor other than publius that that's the guy that that did it Nice. Mm -hmm. And then what was the other question? What was your most badass awesome moment in Red Rising? Most badass moment in the series? In the whole series, yeah. Oh, that's hard. I've got a couple. Well, I've kind of said this before. I love the Morningstar space battles. Mm -hmm. Specific moment from that battle? Specifically, like, Darrow, the... Uh, corridor fighting on Roke's ship mm -hmm. and then them getting in there and then, you know, the conquering. confrontation with Roke. Yeah, and yeah. just, you know, the ship's maneuvering. I like the space battle. Otherwise, my favorite moments are also, like, in the Institute. Mm. Take it back to OG Red Rising. Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite parts of the story. Epic, though. That's not epic. What's yours? This is badass is what he Oh, are. badass. Hmm. Yeah. I'm doing really good. <laughs> I'll go. Okay, mine's a tie. I would say the Golden Sun star shell sequence where he shoots the star shell through the bridge of it's, he turns it into the packs, and then they kill everybody on the bridge, and then Ragnar comes. That would be man. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say everything you say is also fine because they're all epic. Tied with that is, I am Cassius Apollona, son and of my honor Julius remains. and Tiberius, 
I am the morning knight and my honor remains. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. That is awesome. Oh, wait. Can I pick one? Sure. It's when Cassio says, brooding again. (laughs) (laughs) If I did a quick one for each book, I would say Red Rising, the Darrow whipping sequence, Golden Sun, what I talked about, the Starshell sequence, um, Morning Star, Severo coming back to life, and Iron Gold Cassius, and then Dark Age. (sighs) Also Cassius. Victra having the baby. Wow. You're way better at this than me because your your memory is <laughs> more like Lysander's memory and <laughs> mine's more like the part of Lysander's brain that was diddled. <laughs> your memory's been diddled? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's from all the drinking. Okay, thanks for calling in. Great question. Hey, guys, who wants to tell us their most badass moment in the whole series just give us one call in today uh let's go on to our next voicemail this one is from an instagram friend named six claw i believe his name is also ben hello y'all it's ben also known as six claw i've interacted with you a little bit on instagram i recently found out your podcast and having no one else really talked to about this stuff I've got a lot to say, so I sort of made a little outline here to help me out a bit. So I noticed when I was catching up with your podcast, a lot of songs are being suggested for Darrow's theme song, but I thought I would do something a little bit different and suggest one for Orion, where I think really the song... Blood in the Water, the AWOL Nation version of it really speaks to her descent into the funk she gets in before going into the Storm God. And it sort of, I just really think it encapsulates that. And I guess I'll throw one in for Darrow, too. You'd mentioned he probably had a Spectrum of songs. I think a good sad boy song for him would be The Hearse by Matt Mason. I also just wanted to talk about something I've noticed with the fandom here is that the helmets, a lot of the depictions I'll see, especially for Apollonius, he's like a normal looking helmet with uh, big horns on it. But I've always pictured him sort of like in Stargate the Gaul people had the actual like giant animal heads that would slide out of their collars. So I always pictured him with like a giant actual bull head or like the howlers with actual wolf heads. I just thought that'd be pretty cool. Um, and last thing, uh, Aaron might want to cover ears for this point, but I don't see why Darrow's happily ever after can't be the veil. I think it would be really cool to see a chapter with him walking in down that path he was talking about, conversing with the actual Reaper from the folklore, and then he'd see Ragnar again, and he told him he'd build a house. I'd like to see that house. I just think that would be an acceptable way for him to die off, which Pierce might do. Sorry for rambling. 
sort of stuck to the script here. I'll probably call again. I love what you guys do, and I would love to hear more of it. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Ben. You got a great name on you. Benjamin. <laughs> That's at Six Claw on Instagram, too. He makes some good memes uh, that he sent in to us. We've thrown those up a few times, I think. So thank you for the great song suggestions. That was for Orion and Darrow. Mm-hmm. Um, Blood in the Water by AWOL. And then Matt somebody. Mason, I believe. Matt Mason yep. for Darrow. Uh, we'll put in a little Orion here. Yeah, that was creepy. <laughs> Definitely her descent. Definitely, yeah. Captures the descent into madness and genocide pretty well. So don't listen to the whole song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess if you're not hooked up to a storm god, you're okay. You're okay? Okay. You can still listen to the song. And then uh, <laughs> I like the whole helmets in the shape of animals. I also... That's how I pictured it. I, well, too. for sure, we know about Severo's is He's a got the wolf, wolf head, yeah. And he talks in a robotic voice. I don't think I've seen That's much. That's not like coffee. <laughs> yeah. That's tea. I don't think I've seen much art depicting that, though. He's right. Um, yeah. I have seen some old style, like, suits of armor that have the animal heads like for helmets. Ones? Yeah. Oh. And they look really cool. So. What would your helmet be? Mm, that's a good question. Gosh. Well, I love elephants. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good one for you. <laughs> and the trunk could be like a razor. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't know. A rhinoceros and for my last name, maybe. I've never equated your last name to a rhinoceros. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I was just going to say I would go with a wolf because I would. that would be what I'd want to pick. But I feel like that would be unoriginal. No, the wolf's cool. Okay, I would go with the wolf then. It's already developed, so you'd probably get it for a cheaper price than Mm -hmm. my (laughs) elephant. (laughs) Your custom elephant. And then last up, I covered my ears, but I still heard it. Darrow dying at the end. I actually like this. This is a cool idea. It's it's not bad. Um, Now I'm tearing up thinking about Darrow and Ragnar talking about the house. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm sorry. I want Darrow to <laughs> like hang out with his kid and Mustang for like five minutes. Like his actual family. Uh, I just don't think there's any way this man is happy at the end of this. All right, story. we'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll revisit that <laughs> next year. He already got his happily ever after at Morning Star. Well, not very long. 
It's like a Ulysses happily ever after. All right. Thanks for the questions, Ben. Uh, let's go on. We've got one more voicemail here today. No howler mailbag, just voicemails today. So we're going to play one more. This voicemail comes from our friend Rohit in India. I love this one. So I, I just, I thought this was such a fun, fun idea. Hey guys, this is Rohit from India. I have made a weird observation. The word fuck is absent in Red Rising and Golden Sun. It is first introduced by Trigg in Morningstar when he says, Airy senses regards, motherfucker, uh, while rescuing Daryl. Holiday is next to use it, both of whom are from Earth. Then others started saying it. I think it is like how we start saying slangs of our friends if we hang out long enough with them. So my theory is that the curse word is a local slang of Earth and not many use it. Trig and Holiday are the first people who popularized it in subsequent story of the Red Rising universe. Because of them, we get to see Darrow say fuck you to Rogue in the last battle. That alone makes them heroes in my eyes. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love this I idea. I want to know, <laughs> Rohit, I need to know, are you like searching control find in the like kindle version for the word fuck i mean he has to be right i would assume so yeah <laughs> and like why are you doing that <laughs> 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 oh no, yeah he actually sent us a screen grab of him searching it oh yeah. really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that's such a great theory i love that it's i didn't realize it wasn't in the first two i didn't books. either that's do you think um Pierce is becoming like a crotchety old man <laughs> and he's like cursing more. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just goes to the books like the tone gets darker as they go along. And so darker than hanging a 16 year old girl. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> like the first five chapters. Um, but yeah, so I think they grow up a little bit as they move along. And like Pierce has talked about that. Um, he was like 22 when he wrote the first one, I think, and then damn, it's 30 now or what am 31 I doing now. With my life. <laughs> That's a great point. I like that it comes from Earth because clearly we use it enough between the two of us. <laughs> we hang out with Holiday and Trig, apparently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yes, I love that theory. I definitely support it. it. Is now officially in part of my my own personal Red Rising canon that fuck came from Earth. It did. Yeah. Because they were always saying slag, like slag you. Slag that. Yeah, slag that. Yeah. You know. Maybe I'll start saying that. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Rohit, again. And if you would like to call in and hear your voice on HowlerPod, you can call 1-800-516-1540. All right. You know what it's time for? What are we into this week? I'll go first. Hey, Ben. What are you into this week, Aaron? I'm into a show, and I, I can't believe we haven't brought this up yet. It's a great show. Because it's been out for a while, but it's a show called High Maintenance about a pot drug dealer in New York who basically rides his bike around the city. But He's the a weed delivery man. A weed delivery man. Yep. And um, the main character, um, the weed guy, isn't like the main character of each episode. It's episodic, so mm -hmm. each episode is a whole different 
life story of a new character that he delivers to that day or whatever. Yeah, or like some of the characters he's not even connected to. Yep. Um, but the acting is amazing and the writing's like very thoughtful and mm-hmm. um, it's just kind of a look into different people's lives in New York. And yeah. I think it's just the best show. I love it. It's a great like slice of life show. Yeah. Yeah. Slice of life. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's an HBO show and it's it started in 2012. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been watching it for a long time now. It was like a web series pre- before it became a show on HBO. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. We watched the web series. Mm-hmm. Um, check it out. High Maintenance. Ben, what are you into? I'm into a book I just read, Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain, RIP. Oh, cool. Uh, this was a book that kind of put him on the map. And it's like... Like before the show? Yeah, it's like 20 years old. Oh, wow. Kind of made him his name. And so it's all about his life as a chef and how he got to the position he is or he was in. It's just all about him like growing up and working in different kitchens all over New York and all over the world and stuff. And it's just a great book. Full of stories. If you're into cooking at all or chefs or anything like that, it's a really good book for that. It has some tips on cooking. It also has tips on like restaurant going. So um, don't ever eat the fish special on a Monday night. Oh, why? I learned that from the book because it's old fish. They like get their orders in like Thursday or Friday morning and they sell all their fish Saturday, Sunday or whatever. And then there's... And then Monday it's old fish. Yeah. Then they're getting rid of their old stock. So it's not fresh fish. Ew. Yeah. Damn. And he said, like, brunch is, like, always, like, the B team because, like, the chef <laughs> never comes in on Sundays and, like... Hey, that's why they give you mimosa <laughs> deals. Yeah. So you can't taste it. <laughs> so there's a lot of cool stuff like that. There's just a lot of little nuggets about working in a kitchen and life in New York and that kind of thing. So full of great stories and typical Anthony Bourdain fashion, you know, very um, sarcastic, Lots of jokes, lots of drug use, <laughs> like really? all that types of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like it. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of no called? nonsense. It's called Kitchen Confidential. All right, Howlers, what are we doing next week on Howler Pod? We are uh, we're gonna kill a baby. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Wow, <laughs> kill a uh, baby. We're gonna read chapter sixty-six through seventy-three, and yes. We are going to read chapter 66 and talk about it no matter how much we don't want to. It's chill. It's short. We're good. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine with it, honestly. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not too bothered. Okay, Howlers, don't forget to follow us on the social meds at HowlerPod, H-O-W-L-A-R-P-O-D. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Buy some merch. We just had a little... Pick me up. Someone posted our link um, on the Facebook group for like a shirt and then like five people bought it. Oh, wow. Nailed it. (laughs) 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 Free marketing. (laughs) Don't forget to email us for the Howler mailbag at howlerpod at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail. 1-800-516-1540. You can find links to all of this at howlerpod.com. Tell a friend about the books. Leave a book in uh, <laughs> your classroom. Oh, wow. Nice. You know, I mm-hmm. don't know. Don't put your name in it because then they'll just give it back to you. <laughs> Leave a random book somewhere. Don't forget, tell a friend about the podcast. Spread the word. 
Spread the word. <laughs> Rate and review five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, we will break both your arms and then put you in handcuffs. Mm. And then not torture you. <laughs> <laughs> Threaten you with a lot of torture. With coagulant. <laughs> yeah. I'll come at you with that coagulant. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Alice. Omnisphere lupus. Oh. Oh.